We're on, live. It's the Super Empty Show. We've done 10 episodes. It's hard to believe that we've done this for 10 weeks in a row, and hopefully we'll do it for 10 weeks more, at least. For season one, we're trying to get to 20 episodes, right, Alex? Uh, why are you asking me? That's your idea. I don't know. Just confirming, you know, for We'll anyone. get to at least 20. Okay, we'll, we'll do 20. that way. So Probably 21. We are doing a slightly abbreviated show this week because UNC is already on, and uh, Mandy and I at least really want to watch that. So I see we're no reason to, to watch main- this. But. <laughs> all right, all the state fans don't care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this isn't the NIT is you know going on. I got but so much to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, we're just going to get into our main topic, but after that, we're going to have an uh, interview that I did and Eric did with Jason Clary, who is here, uh, done artwork for Cooley High and many other artists in the Triangle. Super impressive artist, so we're excited to have him. But uh, yeah, first starters, we're just all going to have a group chat. We've got Mandy here and Justin from The Rundown, Alex as usual, and Jason is with us as well to talk about music videos and their importance right now in 2018. Do you have any opening thoughts, Alex? Uh, I think they're pretty important in 2018. Yeah, more important than they ever were before? I'd say they're more important than they were in 2017. Probably 2016 as well. Probably 2015. Yeah. Oh, wow. I think it goes down the line, We're just skipping years here, lots of years. It goes. Yeah, no, they're definitely... There's more power in a music video these days than there has been probably for like a decade. I think you also have to do it, do it right, too. I mean, it's a great visual representation mm-hmm. of an artist. So that's part of it is key is to make sure it's the right visuals. And when yeah. people do it wrong, I think it really hurts their career now. Yeah, I would, I would say like in the past like 10 years, it was easier to do a bad video and get away with it. But now, especially with the breadth of music available on Spotify or any streaming like if you have a really great music video that just sets you apart so much more easily you notice it and so one thing that uh was the start of this idea of talking about this was that there was a period of time where budgets for videos was huge it was like the biggest thing um hype williams was obviously like a big part of that era of trl like mtv and vh1 just sitting and watching videos and that's how they broke songs was like what Mm -hmm. what got the big video and then when the, uh, my understanding of it is when the internet outlets and platforms became a big way of discovering music, that decreased, the budgets went down. Directors of music videos was not as big of a deal to like make a music video. Now I think it's starting to go up again. Drake, I mean, Drake's obviously one of the biggest artists in the world, but he had that million dollar budget for one video, supposedly. He gave recently. it all away, by the and way. And he gave Did it away. To his credit, I didn't catch yeah. that, no. That was an amazing moment. <laughs> and I feel like that made me go like, oh, Drake. Which is really good for his image because honestly, I was like not on the Drake train there for a little while. So Whoa. that made me come back to being I, like, all right, Drake, you're a cool person. You're it, not just, you know. It was the most around. Drake thing. Jake. Yeah. Drake thing. It was the most Drake thing he could have done to be like, hey guys, here's here's this money. Drakey thing. Yeah. It's a super Drakey thing I, to do. To say that I, I really enjoyed the video, but I will also clown it here and there. I was like, oh, I love this. This makes my heart feel so just warm and cuddly and, and fuzzy. And also, why do you have to show us this? This is part of, <laughs> this is part of a, a phenomenon of Ryan, social media. It's because it's God's plan. It's God's plan. And I will say one of my favorite memes on the internet right now is like a mundane thing happens and it's the gif of him like crying and hugging people. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> but that, that's my favorite. But it is part of like a social media thing right now where people, you post viral yeah. tweets of like you know this kid at school had, like couldn't afford shoes and we all noticed and so we got him these shoes and like it's like makes you feel good when you watch it and then you're also like why did you guys film this like if it was so important I, to you you would have just done it i will say know? though the way that the video is filmed was less about the like drake's reaction on having given money away and more about i guess the reaction the people he's giving the money to and then their interaction with him Afterwards, that, that part is cool. There is a, a slight change of focus than other than all those like 
YouTubers who right. pull that stuff out. But again, it does raise the question of, uh, do we need the video? We could, I could have read a headline and been yeah, like, yeah. good Bec- job, Drake. Well, because it is the super empty show and we talk about North Carolina artists, bringing yeah. it back to like local, not the not Drakes of the world. Um, it, <laughs> it is like very noticeable and important and it's been brought up on previous episodes of this show uh, doing more videos. I think Chubb said it when he was on an inter- mm-hmm. in an interview. He said like not enough people are doing videos and Mandy, you were saying earlier like that's the big crux of it is that it's a hard thing to produce for cheap and up-and-coming artists don't have a bunch of disposable income to spend. Yeah, no, I think that's totally true and I feel like it's kind of a vision problem too for me is that there's a history of hip hop videos being all about, you know, making it rain with money and spending whole, you know, flashy cars, lots of women, huge mansions, all these kinds of things. And on a local budget, you just can't do that. Like there's no, no one has a million dollars to make a video, you know, in North Carolina. I mean, maybe they do, but at least people we know in the scene and they come in and they have requests of, Hey, we want to do this. We want to make this really cool video. Here's our video or here's our inspo for the video said video. And it's like, okay, well you coming to me with like $800. There's no way we're going to make this happen or something like that. That's a really good budget. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just really good North Carolina. (laughs) Okay. True. True. So that being the case, even so though, even so, and that being the case, I feel like you can achieve a video for not that much money. You just have to be really smart about it and it Mm. can be very clever. I mean, I, not to you know toot our own horn or anything, but Young Bull, Giamazawa's North CAC video was yeah. like super simple concept. Salim came up with it. It was great. We hadn't really seen it visually before. Mm-hmm. And again, G can back up, G, J, Gunn, and Kane can back up with their rapping, which I think that was a great cross section of the visuals caught your attention and the rapping was there too, you know? Exactly. So that was a great, you know, freakish thing that happened. But on that point, to that point, if you're creative with it, you don't need a big budget. You just mm-hmm. need to make sure you do it right and stay simple and you can get seen and you can get play. And people miss that to me personally. Yeah. I mean, that says a lot about Celine's work too and, and just the, the ability to bootstrap something together when you don't have a big budget to work with and to make something that's compelling and original, um, it, it's getting really difficult to do that when you don't have a lot to work with, but there's people that do it really well. I think like uh, sometimes I almost taking that to an extreme, you can make videos sometimes for rappers that are extremely straightforward. Like it is just, you know, some of the videos for Logic that went viral when he was starting out was very simple, like walking around the campus of the University of Maryland rapping to the camera. And um, I don't know how you guys feel about those kind of videos. To me, I would say in a lot of cases, it's still beneficial. Even, I mean, I don't know. I guess what I'm asking is where the bar is for what's like not beneficial, not even worth doing. Because I think Mm -hmm. as long as it looks crisp, to me, it almost is always um, for a young artist, for a new artist, like net positive, just even having it on on YouTube. Because um, I asked earlier, like how important it is for you as a fan to gain a visual understanding of who you're listening to. Justin is an MF Doom fan. He uh, obviously you can't see his face, but the mask itself is part of his visual identity and it's mm-hmm. part of caring about him as a character. So like we talked to Crosby on the show, a thing that I think his talent is, is being held back by him or his, his notoriety is that you can't find a video of him rapping on the internet yeah. and it's very weird to me. So in thinking about um, how important it is to visually see an artist to make that connection with them, I think 
I do think music videos are important, but because social media allows you to see so much of a person's like actually their face, but then also just their personality through how much they are on social media. It doesn't, um, I don't, music videos don't have to play that role anymore for an artist. And so for someone who is maybe on their social media more is out in the community is out in public. They're doing the front facing videos that like, you know who they are, Mm -hmm. then videos are cool and add value. But uh, the just like walking around town showing me rapping in various places videos may not do as much for that type of artist where you're already seeing them yeah, exactly. acting in that yeah. manner versus, uh, you know, got like Kendrick Lamar makes really cool videos um, and they're really unique and dynamic. Mm-hmm. And he's also somebody that's maybe not on social media as much. Exactly. So it's like the the couple times that you're seeing Kendrick Lamar in a video it of really any pops. kind is, yeah. are these. And so, yeah, it really stands out versus, uh, you know, Amigos or even a Drake for that matter. It's, but yeah, like Drake did a video where he gave away money and it helped. Like, like it was, that could it, just it was, be something on his Instagram story, exactly. right? Like that and doesn't have to be a music video. Exactly. And the reception was, I think, so good partly because Drake already has that, like, that clout with people like they know, oh, that is something Drake would do. He seems like that kind of person based on his social. So, yeah, that video tracks with him. And it's not much of a like concept, but it does still make a big impact. Yeah. So, I mean, the great thing about the Drake thing is like he's obviously an international artist. So that to me, that video was like, oh, I can connect with people. It's trying to make him seem more personable and like mm-hmm. everyday person, which to me was like kind of like an anti major hip hop person yeah. of any kind. That's like a anti any type of video that's ever out there. You know what I mean? Comparatively to so many others, but taking it back to a local level, I feel like, yeah, you have the social media and all this kind of stuff. And that's how a lot of people connect with their artists on a personal space. But there's something to be said about a music video and how we still view it as like, um, I, like high production value and, or you are actually doing something you're out there, you're on the scene this is a proven way to show that I am like an artist and we use, that's what a music video yeah. is for. And so I don't know if people can just use social media to prove that they're a, a quote unquote artist. Um, Cause from an outside perspective, if I'm going to look for an artist, I immediately go to YouTube and type somebody in. And if there's nothing there, that's like a solid, even if it was, even if someone for me, I don't know how you guys feel, but if someone would just drop like, you know, a 30 second video of half a song and it was, awesome i think people would respect that versus me just be like oh well, i just have their instagram account or something yeah. like that i mean i think different levels for i me. definitely agree that it kind of adds like a like a level of you know shoot the, what's the word i'm looking for basically it's like level of competency like somebody will believe in you a little bit more on the local level you're able to grasp more people saying oh yeah i'm actually serious about this by putting out a really well done very simple Music video. If it looks crisp, people are like, "Yeah, you actually want to do it this." It serves as a, as a barrier to entry a little bit. That's like that, it kind that's of the word establishes I was for. Exactly. a minimum like viable. You can act. Exactly. You're actually putting enough time into this to really exactly. be good at it. And outside of like, if you're just doing social media and Instagram stories, yeah, you might be really good. But somebody's like, "Well, I guess it's not a hundred percent serious form, or they might right, not right, buy right. in all the way." Totally understandable. And it's a huge it's a huge hurdle for a lot of guys. And I think we're still figuring it out. Like Mandy and and Salim, other people, all friends of ours, like how to how to find the time to do projects, these passion projects that you want to see people succeed. I mean, we have, uh, we talked to Jason about that later in the episode today about 
like working with people and projects you believe in. Mm -hmm. So um, very valuable to the scene and to young artists. So I think we got it covered. All right, on to Jason's interview coming up. I don't want to die for them to miss me. Yes, I see the things that they wishing on me. Hope I got some brothers that outlive me. They gon' tell the story was different with me. God's plan. God's plan. I hold back sometimes I won't. Yeah. I feel good sometimes I don't. Hey, yeah. I finesse down Western Road. Hey, yes. We're hanging out with Jason Clary. He's been working with Cooley High, Hollow, DJ Prince. His work has been well known in the hip hop scene in the Triangle for a long time. Uh, I've looked up to your stuff for a long time. I met you doing a documentary I did in college with Tab One, and uh, who else was on it? Oh, Samir, AK, Fistage. Mm -hmm. That's how we met. Um, you call yourself an artist doing an impression of a graphic designer. What does that mean? It means that. I tried to go to school at NC State. I initially wanted to study industrial design and got as far as the, the interview process with the portfolio review. And I originally wanted to design camping equipment and like hiking boots, tents. And I didn't get into the design school, so I had to figure out a different route. And when I was in school, I started having some health issues with my heart. And as a result, I had to, to drop out of school to focus on my health. And since I, I didn't get to take that, that route of studying design at NC State like I had wanted to, um, I had to find some other way to pursue art. And when I moved into an apartment with Charlie Smarts, Cooley High began and Cooley High became my school, so. Yeah, you said, you, I mean, you met them through basketball, right? It was like, yeah. at least Rhapsody and some of them early on, basketball was the way you met before the yeah. art issues. Yeah, I met Rhapsody on the basketball court, and the first time I heard her rap was about four years later. I had no idea that she was, <laughs> she was rapping. How's that possible? Because she was rapping at NC State, right? Well, she was involved in the, the hip-hop organization. Yeah, H2O, right? And I, I didn't find out about H2O until after I had left NC State. Although I'd, I was going to the um, underground battles that, that was called the Freestyle Fanatics. And that's where I saw Tab 1 for the first time. And Fonte, um, that's when I learned about uh, Little Brother and... DJ Forge was DJ in one of, oh, one wow. of those freestyle events. And I, I saw DJ Merlin for the first time on NC State campus at, at the, uh, the st student center. There was a hip hop fanatics was like the finale for all the freestyle fanatics battles throughout the year. So you weren't like connected to all that going into state. You it happened no. when you were there. You weren't like a, like a big yeah, little brother head. I, I all discovered that. as being a freshman and basketball was was the first link, and and that's where I, I met a lot of my friends. And eventually, how I I met Charlie Smarts was he was working at a shoe store with Rap City, and uh, another friend of mine, Antoine, that was one of my basketball buddies. Cool. So he connected me with Charlie Smarts, and, and that's how I ended up nice. in the apartment. Well, for those who haven't seen it, the the upcoming cover art for the album 
uh, for Cooley High's Never Come Down album. You did it, and it's like a, a looking down shot of a boxing ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to just ask about, first starters, where that came from when you heard the album, how you decided on this boxing mat, and surrounded by reporters and fans watching mm-hmm. with the mics hanging down. So that concept was one of three or five different concepts that I presented initially. And the main themes that I was looking at after, so just to to go back, the process working with Cooley High, um, when I work on an album cover for them, it's usually they send me the music and I start to kind of develop a visual narrative out of um, what I'm hearing in the music. And there's a lot of, themes of introspection and they throughout a lot of their work they they make references to different um sports figures Mm -hmm. so i was looking at a lot of sports illustrated issues um just for inspiration and for for the album to have that that introspective angle to it i was looking at the boxing ring as being a metaphor for uh, your inner battle with yourself. Um, so I, I took everybody out, out of the ring. The original photo is by Neil Leifer. He was a legendary sports photographer and covered um, over 16 Olympic events and has his photos on over 200 covers, Sports Illustrated. So he's like a legend Uh, as far as um, just the imagery associated with sports. and So you cloned people out of the the canvas? There were people actually boxing in that photo? Yeah, there were people that were actually boxing in that. And I I wanted to make sure since it was was Neil's photo, I have him represented in there twice. So So yeah, I saw you inverted and like repeated two sides of it, right? Mm -hmm. With the same reporters. Yeah, so it's, it's mirrored in a way that like I... I flipped it so it has like a natural flow to it as right. you like go around the ring. Like if you're just looking at it from a distance, it has that that staggering that um, you would naturally see when you look at a crowd. So I didn't want it to look like um, exactly mirrored. Like yeah, yeah. You don't I, notice it right away. Yeah. It also fits with the lettering. So when people see the lettering for the videos... I don't know if it was using the ceiling video, but like in future videos, there's mm-hmm. this style that you developed of this font that's kind of repeated and inverted. I don't know how you would describe it, but it yeah. fits with that as well. So what was behind the font? Too, yeah, it's kind of crazy. The font I developed as an idea of what you see in dreams. When you see words in dreams, sometimes they get mixed up and you have to decipher what that message is. For So for never come down as being like a message of like, don't give up. Don't give up on your dreams. And a lot of times we can we can block ourselves from our own success. And, and that's what the boxing ring is. Um, so the the typography was just like a re- like a repeat that um, kind of trailed down. So it gets distorted and then it's it's mirrored and then but you can still read it. Yeah, what's like it, yeah, it. still decipherable. So I, I wanted to do something that would draw your eye in and kind of tell a larger story. Mm-hmm. And for me, Cooley High has always been a symbol of following your dreams. And they're not on a major label. So for them to 
to get some success, they, they have to do it all on their own. Um, and it takes more than, than just doing it on your, on your own yeah, absolutely. to make that possible. So, um, it's also about the team that you surround yourself with. So that's another sports metaphor, like just connecting with basketball. Um, when you fall down, your team has to pick you up or they have to hold you accountable. Like if you're like playing for a championship run, what goes into that? So that that's a lot of what I was exploring mm-hmm. with that. I mean, when we obviously a lot of intention and time and thought goes into all these designs, mm-hmm. clearly. Um, and when we met up and talked for the documentary, a thing that you discussed was see, you, a lot of the inspiration initially came from seeing a lot of hip hop art that was very cliche and standard mm-hmm. and like replicable. And it, you mentioned people standing yeah. in front of brick walls with graffiti behind them. And that was like an idea of hip hop imagery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just want to ask you if today you've seen it improve since then. Like, do you think mm-hmm. that there's better artwork in general being done around hip hop? I think so. I, I think it's getting, getting more, um, conceptual. you like, you want to try to tell a story, um, of what the album is about and to see artists explore that further than just like a band photo. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm always ec- excited to see like how people are taking that to the next step. Yeah. I just think today, like there's so much music out there now. You're not just in a borders where there's like only 20 or 30 of them, like 30 albums you can look at in a certain genre. There's like mm-hmm. infinite hip hop albums you could be listening to. I think the art is even more important now. Absolutely. To make it stand out. Yeah. What inspired me to get and start designing album covers was working at a Best Buy. And I was... Yeah, you used to buy some Justice League stuff, right, for the store? Yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. So I was... uh, When Median's album um, came out, uh, that was uh, Median's Relief. I made sure that I, I ordered a, a box to stock the shelves because I I really enjoyed sharing music with people and, and connecting people with it th- that way. So you did that album cover? Did I, album no, cover? I, I didn't okay. do that album cover, but I, I wanted to make sure when I was working in Best Buy, just being like a major retail environment to try to get local hip-hop artists on the shelves while I was working there so I had the ability to order music so um since my passions have been like music basketball and art like I, I wanted to try to like work with that as much I was just I was just thinking about the the idea of of hip-hop cover art you know mm-hmm. on their albums because you know I, when I go to festivals like art festivals and stuff like that like I always see uh uh, album art for rock artists or like concert concert posters for rock artists but mm-hmm. it's very little of that for hip hop artists mm-hmm. but I feel like when you yeah, conceptual, conceptual yeah for the whole tour for a show for a single show even um, or even like a hip hop album even for yeah. a hip hop album cover like you said it's always a portrait right mm-hmm. but I feel like when you came when you came in and then you started uh, doing work for Kui High you kind of changed that um, well, why did they trust you to, to like pretty much spearhead mm-hmm. their whole um right right yeah i think that was really big for all of us because for me it was it was getting a start and the way i got into designing album art in the first place or, or like wanted just 
out of working at Best Buy, I reached out to Jeff Jank at Stone's Throw Records, being the art director of Stone's Throw. And I asked him, what do I need to do to start designing album covers? What do I need to study? Where do I need to go to in order to get in this? And he sent me some advice of just um, connect with friends that you have that are making music and listen to the music. Make sure that it's good and it's somebody that you believe in and can, you know, put your your energy behind. And right. a lot of times you're going to start off doing stuff for free. Um, and that's probably why they trusted me to do it. And like I was, I was doing a lot of stuff just out of love and we were all starting that way. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was just being in the right place, right time. But also for me, it was like after dropping out of school and after throwing all my medications in the trash, it was a, a path of following my heart and following my dreams and i think that's that's a big reason why we all came together at the same time like we were all following our passions and right so when it comes to like the whole package um as far as how cool how it was presented like mm -hmm. music aside how much do you attribute all their like you know success and fanfare to their visual representation i think it <laughs> right no no well, seriously because it, I, it was it was a big deal it was yeah. because you have you have to present yourself mm -hmm. and you have to have you know and what people preach is you have to uh yeah you know for the most part yeah so mm -hmm. how do you how do you how much do you attribute yeah that's that's something that i i think about with my approach to their artwork in particular of like how can i help them reach to the next level and learning visual identity through working on stuff for them has um set the stage for my own career as being a graphic designer and designing logos for different companies. Um, so understanding the importance of developing that visual identity came pretty early um, because it, they had to stand out. Like you got a big brother and little brother right. <laughs> and to like make your way in this music scene they had to get some recognition so a big part of that was mm -hmm. yeah so designing a logo for them that would be recognizable and which they still use like what is it 12 years later yeah skull? Was, like that was one of the first logos i i ever designed which was inspired by the goonies um, mm -hmm. One of their first songs was Marching, and they had a reference to the Goonies. They were like, Marching with my Goonies. So the skull was just connecting with the Goonies. And then with Heights, it was like time travel. They had a song, Fourth Dimension. So I was... <laughs> cool yeah. guys, the Goonies. So I was thinking, like, they're, they're like time-traveling Goonies at that point. So uh, I was thinking of... The Heights album art was um, a hotel that's, it, it's actually a, a hotel in Miami that's designed to look like, like it, it looks like a, a, a notebook, like it has the spine of like a spiral notebook. So that was writing your rhymes and like in manifesting your dreams through your rhymes basically. Right. And the hotel is like, um, like your head, there, there's the 
the only light in the hotel is like the top light and that's like being up in your head space mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's in the cloud so it can go anywhere so i was thinking of that in the sense of this is the heights you're talking about the heights cover yeah that's yeah. the heights cover so that was um time traveling goonies at that point so <laughs> I, I was i was watching um time bandits uh, for um some inspiration and that's a terry gilliam film from the <laughs> 70s um, it predates me a little bit so i i i try to use different pop culture references yeah. from different times just as my way of visual sampling so if you have a, a hip-hop producer that's sampling from records I, I try to translate that in a visual sense so with the the never come down artwork there's there's a lot of images that i'm sourcing from sports illustrateds um and um the, there's another series that I had just out of the, the process of developing the artwork that had a lot of um, visual cues from The Wizard of Oz. With, uh, there's a, t a poppy field that kind of sets the stage for your dream world. And the poppy field in, in The Wizard of Oz is, um, is a stage where you see the crew come together when Dorothy starts to, to fall asleep and sh the poppy field is like resting on your laurels. You don't want to rest on your laurels. If, if you have talent, you, you still have to work for it. Like it, it's not just going to happen. Um, so, so, so creatively, I feel like Charlie smarts would be the one from cool. Have would be on board with all of this, mm -hmm. but like Tom Foolery is also like a very like, weird dude too mm -hmm. so <laughs> which, which one of those Jason weird? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, I'm a weirdo listen that's, to him that's what makes us work <laughs> so which so which one of those members of cooley high were on board with like this you know i i would call it far out imaginative mm -hmm. uh referential yeah so which I one of those they are kindred spirits in a lot of ways the whole group is interesting right Seems yeah, like, there, yeah there's 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 part of like me and every piece of the group Which I guess. the craziest as well I guess that's what I'm asking. I'd say I'm the craziest if I'm considered a part of the group but um, I don't know if I'm considered a part of the group anymore <laughs> you are a part of the group yeah so but even when it's not oh, yeah well, do you want to answer what he yeah said? okay early on we were talking about um, surrealism was like a main theme that we were looking at so um, like that that's gonna get weird when you're like thinking about what you see in dreams um but i i think me and charlie have always had a, a good working relationship just being roommates like i would always share stuff with him first and he he gets where i'm thinking probably the best and, and then tom probably probably after that and uh me and tab have birthdays that are like pretty close together so i think we, we have some some similar ways of looking at things and and synopsis but um yeah there, there's like pieces of everybody digits is always the one like kind of um keeping the ship going um he's the glue in a lot of ways yeah he, he's a glue guy he's a glue player <laughs> On the team, yeah. I mean, even when you're not doing hip-hop, you say it has to do with sampling and, like, 
the style of production that's going into it. But even when it's a logo for um, just to get outside coolly for a moment, like all kinds of projects you've worked on for a friend's film company or for a nonprofit, Mm -hmm. there's always, I I know I'm beating a dead horse, but there's so many meetings. It's the thing, the biggest thing that stands out like about your work when you spend like five minutes talking to you about it or when you read a blog post about your process Mm -hmm. or when I first met you and you had done a street fighter thing and it looked (laughs) to the non-discerning eye like you had done it digitally, but you had cut out all the pieces and taken a photo of it to get the right um, out of focus look you wanted. Mm -hmm. And, you know, someone like me having grown up like with a computer, I was like, you know, why don't you use like the blur in like Photoshop, but you wanted something specific. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I mean, when did art for you become not just, throwing something up but like it needs to go through this process of i need to have read all these books and i need to spend some time watching a movie that's going to incorporate this idea i mean Mm -hmm. there's it goes through so many filters for you yeah i started taking it more seriously when i decided that i wanted to quit my job and focus on art full time um and that's when i i start approaching art as like um a job like a, a career like I, I have to learn as much about the the resources that i'm using or, or the printing process that i'm that i'm implementing so i i like to do a lot of things by hand because i i feel like there's there's something that i'm, I'm always learning through the process that would just get lost otherwise if if i was just cheating on the yeah photoshop i cheat (laughs) i cheat but (laughs) i'm sorry there's there's got to be a balance though too like especially in the digital age you have to be able to produce work quickly and well that was gonna be my other question was yeah yeah, what i mean because you get excited about a lot of projects and you get uh, another thing we talked about earlier was like the things that people have going on you get excited about what what they're building with it and what you think is growing Mm -hmm. and get involved before you know it's going to be a sure thing and you've seen things like coolie high that become like a legitimate endeavor you see things that kind of fell off and you experience both sides that but has that lengthy process that you put everything through ever kept you you felt from getting involved in all the things you wanted to do because you because you can't do it all because you put so much time into every project you do yeah you can't do it all but at the same time you you got to make time for the things that are going to help you grow and um there's been cases with uh i I recently did a a centerfold spread for a magazine that i i got um their request was like super last minute and normally i would have been like i don't have time for this but it it was one of those projects that come along that like if you don't do it then you're gonna be beating yourself Mm -hmm. up um so you just you find ways to make time to to follow your passion and sometimes it you end up staying up till three four in the morning finishing things exactly but you know you you got to do what you got to do it's worth it yeah I agree. <laughs> I can't. I can't argue with that at all. I was up till three a.m. last night. Honestly, yeah, um, man. I, I'm always impressed by like the rate that you crank stuff out. So you well, because but that's what I'm saying is I, that's why I have these questions. Is it feels like the opposite, where it feels like I see your work and it makes you kind of the same way that I think you might do something and see someone putting things out quickly and say like, 
I don't know that you think this, but like, oh, I wish I could be faster. It's like mm-hmm. I could do some things fast and then say, I wish that I put more layers into things. I wish I did things more like Jason did where there's 17 meetings in every single, every well, single I thing. I I come. I Sometimes things I do like things. Ryan, yeah. I do things. It's like one pun. It's literally like those two words sound funny together. So yeah, like that's a it, whole design. When it works, you, yeah. you got to do it. This is Eric. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I wonder what happens when you put all your work and I'm talking to some, uh, some designers here. So this is like nerd talk for me. And <laughs> I wonder what happens when you put your energy behind something that doesn't pan out mm-hmm. like a bad, like a bad, a bad album or yeah. you know, just a bad art project that just didn't work. Yeah. And I, that, that's that never happened to Jason. <laughs> doesn't know what you, doesn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so to bring it back to the Cooley High artwork, there was about there's about a hundred different like cover concepts that came out of the whole process <laughs> and i there's not that many versions of like the dr Dre compton cover probably <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but through through that whole process you're like what do i do with all these and for for me, I, I've I've been planning this whole series just from the start, just thinking of how they're gonna need to promote their um, their single releases, and I wanted to find out like what the next single was gonna be, um, so I could go ahead and prepare for that. But I just went ahead and and did this whole series just out of listening to the album and getting inspired by it. So. Now, even if they don't want to use it, I still have a whole art show that yeah, I, exactly. I can I can do that's inspired by the the album. So that's a good way of thinking of it, just repurposing it. Yeah, um, I mean, as as an artist, you got to find ways to to transform and to repurpose things a lot. And, and a lot of times, you're making mistakes. So how do I make this mistake work for me? <laughs> I think. Uh, Eric has more questions and I, we always have more things we could ask you, but <laughs> we also have to wrap it up. So it's been good to have you. We will have you again another time. I guarantee it. Um, it. If you ever want to rebrand super empty, the, the door is open. <laughs> we could always use it. I'm um, always yeah. wor- open to, to working with, um, with great, just, with just budding ventures. Yeah. yeah. That are just shooting for the stars. Yeah. All right, man. It's been good to have you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs>that was the interview with jason clary always a good time with him to close out the show we are just going to have our hot take from our friend jimmy branley at jimmy branley on twitter is his <laughs> name and uh we will close the show with his thoughts see you next week yeah so what i was ranting about the other day was the fact that chance was saying oh you know we have been talking up this whole uh chance challenge can be no project for a while just mainly and i was mainly doing it just so i could troll everybody and i just got that that was like real suspect like that was that was kind of weird i didn't totally understand what the point of that was um i I think one of the bigger issues that i have is that in general you know i kind of see it as in a lot of ways you know fans are customers at the end of the day like artists have a different relationship with fans obviously but to some extent 
they're like customers, right? Like hypothetically, they're purchasing a product from you, whether that be music, show tickets, whatever. Um, and so, you know, I kind of see it as like he knew that this was something that he would never deliver, but he was like, oh, I'm kind of bored today. So let me just, you know, say something, whatever I feel like, even though he knew, you know, more than likely this was never actually going to happen. And it's just kind of like a, one in a long line of suspect things Chase has done, just like from a purely business perspective, you know? What else? Um, like, oh, go ahead. What else? Oh, you know, there was the issue I, I struggled with. Um, I think it was like a few months after Coloring Book came out, um, he did a music video for a Sing Drugs, and he was like, you guys should watch this on Facebook and support it because it's indie. And I was like, that's kind of weird because you you make a lot more money than most major label artists. Like, you're doing real well. So the whole, like, I'm indie thing doesn't feel like it totally applies to you anymore. It feels like a weird selling point for a guy who, you know, again, compared to most artists, is doing very, very well financially. Uh, you know, he's, like, selling out arena tours. He's one of, like, what, like, five modern rappers that can sell out arena tours right now. You know, like, Future can't even do that. So the whole idea of, well, you know, I'm independent, so you should, you know, support me is, doesn't make sense at this particular juncture of his career and it didn't then because i think at that point when he released that i think he had probably sold out that amphitheater tour by then so it's just kind of weird and then like i said it's just like one long line of things but also you know artists do have this weird thing where they're like all right so you know i'm just gonna announce this thing and i don't know if it's ever actually gonna happen and then i'm just gonna keep talking about it and then i'm just gonna hope and pray that Nobody ever asked me about it again, but you know, things are going to remember. You can at least give strangers or like, in my general opinion, you know, a journalist shouldn't even be asking artists if they're working on music. You know, they're artists hypothetically at all times they're working on music. Um, you know, I, I don't understand what the question is, <laughs> like why they're asking about that. But also I think it's kind of on artists to just like, there's no reason to answer that question. Like you don't need to say, yes, I'm working with this producer. Cause then if that producer doesn't end up on the album, then you have a lot of fans left over. Like just don't say anything until you actually have something that you're going to definitively release. Or else you're just going to keep getting asked like, Oh, where's this album that you were talking about? 